Welcome in. It's another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, your weekly breakdown for everything District 4 going on in the state of Idaho. Brandon Bainey is always joined by Scott Burton. Scott, what's going on? Hey, good morning. It's uh, another beautiful day in uh, the banana belt here in southern Idaho as uh, spring sports have yet to get started. But uh, hopefully the ice melts and uh, sometime by June we can get the season started. This is the eternal struggle for sure. Over in East Idaho, you know, two nights ago, three inches of snow overnight, uh, 20 below up in Arco this morning. They had to basically uh, cancel school because the windshield was so uh, frigid that they couldn't get the buses running. So, oh I mean, my goodness, this is <laughs> yeah. insane. We're in March. You know, I, we're supposed to at least get teased with a day or two of 70 degree, 70 degree weather just. So we know what's coming, but that stupid groundhog has messed everything up. Definitely. I really feel like we got off by a month somewhere. We have to recalibrate the calendar. Like we're really in February right now, but it's, well, you know, and that's the thing is, I mean, it's the the way that seasons have changed uh, a little bit. It's almost like school should start in not August, but at the end of September and summer should be, july august september you know and then we're not battling all of these weather issues in the spring because spring sports suck (laughs) at the start there's just no way around it yeah and and along those lines we're we're going to do kind of a a winter sports recap here this week and then we're going to take a week off because we did this between fall and winter sports just to for, for us to decompress and take a week off, but also because there's just, there's nothing going on. It's all, it's all getting wiped out. Uh, no, yeah. yeah, it is. There's nothing going on. And, and who knows if we don't get uh, some weather down here, there may not be going, anything going on in two weeks. Right. <laughs> we'll see. But, so, so the plan is right now we'll take next week off. We'll come back in two weeks and hopefully things have unthawed a little bit by then. Uh, but this is our winter sports recap. And of course, uh, we have to start with boys basketball. That was the most recent state event. And the big story out of the Magic Valley, Scott, was Kimberly delivering yeah. as the number four seed a 3A state championship in one of the all-time great defensive performances across the entire tournament. That Kimberly defense was was a tough puzzle to solve along the way. They knocked out Marsh Valley, the top-seeded team in the semifinals, and then McCall Donnelly, the number two seed in the championship. They only allowed 22 points to McCall Donnelly in that championship game. That's a new 3A state tournament record for fewest points allowed in a game. Oh, yeah, that Kimberly team just hit their stride. And, you know, and and they proved that defense travels. I mean, we talk about that in our podcasts is that if you sell a team on, you don't have to score a thousand points, but you, you put their focus in on something that's going to travel to gym, to gym, to gym, it's going to be defense. And Kimberly's got athletes, you know, let's make no bones about it. They've got, they've got quickness, they've got speed, they've got athletes and you sell them on that concept, they'll shut you down. And that's exactly what they did and good for them. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch this Kimberly team because they they were kind of an afterthought in in the 3A bracket. Everyone said, "Oh yeah, Marsh Valley, McCall Donnelly, Snake mm-hmm. River, and ma- and maybe one of those teams from District 3, you know, Homedale, uh Fruitland whatever." And and Kimberly was seldom mentioned as a contender, and they re- they really took it to everybody that they played. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, so. it, it is. And you know, and what you're finding through these tournaments is people are just looking at the top three seeds anyway once you have a number attached to your name if, if you're anything below a three i don't know if anybody's paying attention to you 
or at least initially. And so, you know, everybody was talking about Marsh Valley, Marsh Valley, this Marsh Valley, that, well, they had a number one next to their name, you know, and for a reason they were good, but that's going to garner the attention. Definitely. Uh, Kimberly, well-represented on the 3A All-Tournament team. The MVP of the tournament was Ethan Okelberry of Kimberly, and Jackson Bear won the defensive MVP of the 3A tournament as well. Um, and then we saw Jake Lloyd make the second team uh, for the All-Tournament team as well. And uh, ta talking with our 3A broadcasters, and I think they admitted to this, uh, Gatlin Baird probably should have been on that all tournament team somewhere. They just, they didn't want to dominate it with Kimberly guys, but I think they admitted wow. that, oh yeah, kind of slipped our mind that Gatlin Bear also had a very strong tournament for Kimber Kimberly. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many athletes on that team that you could, you could have just loaded them up. And that's, that's the hard thing about, you know, when you win a, a championship and now you got to choose all tournament teams is the, the, the people that got the job done are the ones that are going to get the most attention and you could probably justify putting almost everybody on there definitely so kimberly was the only team from the magic valley to, to come away with a state championship but boy camas county sure came close the year of the musher continued scott i love how this was a phrase that you kind of coined on the podcast and all of a sudden it kind yeah. of became the official slogan for everybody over there in fairfield at camas county i it was a lot of fun to hear that um the first game of their tournament uh it was at Caldwell High School, and uh, I was over delivering some equipment to our broadcasters for that 1AD2 tournament, and Logan Green was with me, and he got there a couple minutes before I did. And Logan said, I just saw the Camas County players get off the bus, and like some of them had tears in their eyes because you know it, it had been a really long time since Camas County had been to state. Wow. And wow. It, I mean, that was a, a powerful visual image for Logan and, and for, for those Camas County fans. They get all the way to the championship, where they lose a heartbreaker at the very end to Rockland by two, 53 to 51. Basically, Brigham Perman for Rockland drove into the lane with about 20 seconds to go. A uh, player from Camus slid over to try and take the charge. Ultimately, was called for the block. Perman made two free throws. And Camus County never really got a good look at a shot on their last possession. They put up a, a desperation three that was tipped away, basically. And so for Cam, it's a really heartbreaking loss, 53 to 51. But man, what a season they had. Oh, you know what? It's and you're right. The year of the musher uh, really caught on. And it was so fun to see. I We had the uh, District 4 All-Star basketball games here last night and uh, in our gym. And uh, a couple of people from Camus uh, came up to me afterwards and mentioned um, how they enjoyed the podcasts and and uh, and they both said, you're the musher, you know. And so, I mean, it was really cool because, I mean, it really has been quite a year over there. I mean, for a school that has like 11 kids in it, you know, I mean, they don't have very many kids. But my goodness, what a year they've had in football and basketball state title game. You know, um, I just hate to see the heartbreak loss, but. You know, hopefully they don't let it take away from what they accomplished. And, and this was the year of the musher, without a doubt. And the nice thing for Camas County is, is they, they, they've got someone to commiserate with in the, you know, losing narrowly to Rockland Club because Rockland defeated Cary in a very entertaining semifinal game at the 182 state tournament in overtime, 63 to 62. Um, and, you know, I think it was a little bit of a controversial finish at the end in terms of uh, a foul that maybe was called or wasn't called, but um, 
at the end of the day, Kerry also fell victim to Rockland by one point, 63-62 in overtime. And then they they fell in the third place game on Saturday as well. But man, Kerry and Camus both go down to Rockland by a combined three points. They can at least commiserate in that together. Yeah, and that's too bad too, because it would have nice to have seen that district four title game, you know, um, just just to flex the muscle of what that conference has. But you know, congratulations to Rockland. They got it done and won two close games and you know when you play a lot of close games they're not always going to go your way but in the state tournament you know especially they're hard to get to go your way you know but uh, rockland did it so congratulations to them yeah rockland won the girls and boys basketball titles for 1ad2 this year and on the boys side it was their first championship in school history so they are celebrating in rockland and well deserved uh all tournament team for 1AD2, Troy Smith of Camas County was the defensive MVP of the tournament, averaged four steals per game, which is that's a lot of steals for, for one guy. Um, Brecken Clark of Camas County and Carson Perks of Cary made the first team, all-tournament team. Tristan Smith of Camas County made the second team, all-tournament team. And honorable mention honors went to Emmett Palin of Camas County and Chase Benyon of Cary as well. So congratulations to all those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's so much fun for them to get up there and play, especially, you know, those Camas kids, like you said, you know, stepping off the bus like that is 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 pretty special. Kerry is kind of an old hat at the state tournament in just about everything. Um, But again, you know, we talk about it all season long how strong that conference is down here, and they're always well represented. I think the next biggest story from boys state basketball had to uh, have been at the 4A level where Jerome, you know, came in as, as a team expecting to be in the mix. And they certainly were. They, they got past Moscow in their first game uh, pretty easily, 63 to 46. And then this was this was the tournament you were on the call for, Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they got into this big shootout with Pocatello in the semifinals and ultimately fell short 75 to 72. And then you got to turn around and play Middleton, the defending champs, in the third place game, which Jerome subsequently dropped 61 to 52. So Jerome comes home with a, a fourth place finish. Um, and for Pocatello, they were a team that really lived on the edge. You know, they had the three point win over Jerome in the semis. But prior to that, they almost went down to Burley in the opening round, 45 to 44. And Burley ultimately went two and out. But I mean, the Magic Valley, I thought, pushed Pocatello really hard. They did, you know, and, and Pocatello, I mean, you could just tell that after that game with Burley, they they were just a little bit off, you know, because um, Burley did push them. And we talked about this in the in the pregame or the pregame, the, uh, you know, the preview show, preview show. I haven't had enough of this yet um, in the preview show that Burley is not going to wow you with anything. They're just going to hang around, hang around. And if you let them hang around, you're going to get in trouble. And Pocatello dang near got in trouble. I mean, they escaped with a one point win and then um, Pocatello hits Jerome. And then, man, it wasn't like people were not playing defense in that 75, 72 game. It was, they're just shooting lights out. And this was in the Idaho center, which was bizarre because you take these two teams out of a, a gym that's got some depth and the background on the wall, you know, behind the, the, the hoop and all that kind of stuff. And you put them in this open gym and nobody could miss. Um, Bowie from Pocatello just came out and dropped 21. I think in the, it was 21 in the first half. And then I think three in the second half. 
And then meanwhile, Scotty Cook from Jerome put up 34. And these are, I mean, they're not taking a ton of shots. Everything was going in. Both teams over 50% from the floor. And it was just an absolute shootout, you know. Um, and then in that uh, third place game, boy, your reward is to go play Middleton at 6'10", 6'7", 6'6". And uh, that was a game that Jerome led the entire way and until about midway through the fourth quarter. And then it just kind of got away from it at the end. But, you know, the Magic Valley teams did did really, really well. Um, Burley put up a fight. They went two and out. But, you know, like I said, they were the one team that didn't have like a superstar. And they battled they everybody. You know, they, they lost the close one to Pokey. They lost a close one to Moscow. So they've got nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, Jerome really has got nothing to be ashamed of, even though they – lost to Middleton in the third place game. And a lot of people are thinking that Middleton was the second best team there anyway. Um, when you look at these rankings, it was Hillcrest number one, and we'll talk about them in a second. But Pocatello number two, I, there was a lot of discussion up there that uh, that was not the way it should have been. Um, that Middleton, because of their size and their experience, well, not necessarily their experience, because I did lose four starters and a head coach, but just with their size and their pedigree and being the defending champs should have been the number two seed. And as it turned out, they were the ones that gave Hillcrest the best game, you know, because of it. So everything else went chalk, just like we talked about in the preview show. And um, let me, I, I can't say enough about that Hillcrest team. They are so good. I mean, and they, and, and they had, Oh, go ahead. Hmm. They have, uh, a an absolute beast of a player, sophomore kid. Uh, the Davis kid is, I mean, you watch him play, and he is a man among boys as a sophomore. I mean, it's you, you look at this kid and you go, how are we going to stop him? Well, the answer to that is you're not, period. Um, serious D1 looks at this kid. And without him, Hillcrest is... I mean, they're good, but they're beatable. And uh, I, I just, if you have a chance to go watch this kid over the next couple of years, go watch him for Hillcrest, Isaac Davis. And then pay attention to that name because he's going to be playing at the next level. I mean, he's just massively big and athletic and the footwork, you know, um, holy crap, which made this Hillcrest team virtually unbeatable because they had enough pieces in place to compliment Davis that they would beat you that way as well. But, you know, Hillcrest, in my opinion, best team at the tournament, 5A included. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's a big statement. We, we, we talked about Scott, you talk about always, you know, the teams that are successful at state, generally speaking of the teams that have a big that they can rally around because it's a lot easier to score inside than it is from the perimeter when you get to state and they had clearly the best big at the tournament. Um, and so, and they'll have that for the next two years. He's only a sophomore. Yeah. So, well, and, and that's the thing. And if you followed anything that we've talked about over the course of the year, um, it, the teams that win state titles are the teams that have size period. They get shots around the hoop, you know, and it's funny because, you know, I, I know I talk about that all the time because the common denominator with every state championship team is they've got a paint presence and obviously Hillcrest did. And so we were able to look at the shot chart of Hillcrest um, throughout this tournament. And it told a huge story 
because they, they understood what it was going to take and the right shots to take. Because they, if you look at the shot chart at Hillcrest throughout this tournament, it is just littered in the paint. Okay. But what you don't see are two point shots on the perimeter. You're going to see paint and you're going to see threes. That was it. I mean, very seldom did you get anything else. And so, I mean, that says something right there because that's the formula that you're going to need to win a state tournament. And it's going to be an inside game. Yeah, you're going to have to be able to hit some outside shots, but it's not going to be the long two-point jump shots. That's the worst shot in basketball. And Hillcrest got it figured out. Yeah, you just described like every NBA team's philosophy, right? It's either threes or it's at the hoop. Um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Isaac Davis, uh, I called some of his games as a freshman. He started at center as a freshman for Hillcrest as well. And you could tell he was, he was physical. He, he had the defensive skills kind of in place already, but he was raw. He was really raw and he worked hard in the off season in this past summer, working on his post-up game and working on the jump shot a little bit. Um, he still is not the most consistent shooter, especially at the free throw line. Um, mm -hmm. but that's, that's what I expect the next phase of his development when he comes into his junior season and, oh my gosh, if he gets a face up game to the basket to couple yeah. what he already has, yep. he, he's going to be impossible to defend. There's no well, way. There's no question about it. And the growth that that kid made from his freshman to his sophomore year. Cause I remember him as well as a freshman. It's like, man, this kid's got a lot of raw talent. What's he going to do with it? And, uh, yeah, so he just, he's missing a, a kind of a mid range jumper you know, uh, an elbow jumper. Um, I mean, he's got to get better with his back, not to the basket, but I mean, the, the growth from freshman to sophomore, you're right. That's going to be the transition. And if he can get those pieces in place, it'll be just unstoppable. I mean, the way he, he threw down dunks and block shot. I mean, he just, he reminded me of like a young Shaq, a young yeah. Shaquille O'Neal. Well, that's how big he was in comparison to everybody right. else that was on the floor. And there's not many people in the state of Idaho that can drop step dunk on you. Um, and, and this kid can. <laughs> and so I know we, we talk a lot about him, but my goodness, it's, it's insane what this kid was going to be able to do. Yeah, for sure. So no surprises that Isaac Davis of Hillcrest was the MVP of the tournament. 18.3 points per game, 12.3 rebounds per game. And still managed to dish out 1.7 assists per game as well on some of those kickout threes. Um, in terms of Magic Valley, uh, Scott Cook, Scotty Cook uh, from Jerome made the first team. Uh, Mikey Lloyd made the second team, all tournament team. Adam Klepfer of Burley was also on that second team. And then the honorable mentions, you had Stockton Sheets from Burley and Skylar Maurer from Jerome. All worthy honors there. Uh, the other tournaments we need to check in on are 1A, D1, and 2A. We'll start with the 1A, D1 tournament because Oakley – uh, won, won their league, got to state, and actually uh, found themselves in a very tight first-round game, Scott. This was the tournament that I was at, and they were playing Logos in the first round, and they ultimately lost 37-35 to in a game where it was a back-and-forth battle throughout. Oakley had a decent look at a game-winning three from Peyton Beck that just... So what happened was Beck shot it from the right wing and airballed it long, and because of that, um, his rebounder was on the right block ready to rebound, but the shot actually went to the left block and there was nobody there. And by the time the ball rolled out of bounds, time had expired. If, if they had had a rebounder on that opposite block, they could have had a chance at maybe yeah. a putback to tie the game. But just the way it went, that the shot 
was was too long for anybody to go rebound. So they lost a, a tough game there, and then they rebounded with a win in the consolation round over Lighthouse Christian. They, they ended up meeting their district rivals. So, so that second yeah. day of the 1-8-D-1 tournament, Scott, three of the four games featured district rivals. You had Oakley and Lighthouse in a loser-out game. You had Liberty Charter and Rimrock from District 3 in a loser-out game. And then you had an all-North semifinal, Logos against uh, Lapway. So it was really interesting to see all of these district rivalries you know, kind of reinvent themselves. And boy, that loser-out game between Lighthouse and Oakley both student sections, both fan sections were there. They were loud. They were fired up. You could tell that Lighthouse wanted this game so badly after losing to Oakley three times throughout the year. And they had the lead in the second half, but um, turned the ball over a couple of times. Oakley got on a little bit of a run and, and ended up winning that game and knocking out Lighthouse. And then Oakley fell to Rimrock in, in the consolation final. But I was really impressed with both of these teams. Uh, I think Lighthouse Christian especially has some younger guys that they can really build around next year. I would I would say they're my early favorite in the conference next year with Jack DeYoung, who's young, and Sam Rogers, who's only a sophomore. And they've got this point guard that's like a maestro out there, uh, Hayato Yamada. He is uh, he, oh he is so fun to watch with the basketball, and I believe he's only a junior. So Lighthouse Christian is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And Oakley, you know they they lose Peyton Beck, and he was kind of their statistical leader in almost every category. But they've got some good athletes returning as well yeah they do and you know when you mentioned that lighthouse team when we hosted that 1a uh, d1 tournament here in, in jerome district tournament i got to see these teams play and and uh yeah you you, you can't look at that lighthouse team and go man these guys are they're gonna be back uh because they've got enough youth and enough excitement uh among them that uh and you know in, in daquan montreal their, their coach um took him first time he's been to state um, and it, it's just, you can feel some excitement in, in lighthouse now, um, that they're going to be back and they've got a good young core. And those players that you mentioned, uh, are all really good players. Oakley on the other hand, yeah, they're going to lose kind of the straw that stirs their drink a little bit, but you know, they're, they're always just tough farm kids. I mean, that's just, and we talk about this with Oakley and Carrie and, and Dietrich and all these like small town schools they just find tougher kids and they just reload and they'll be back. And uh, this one AD one conference here is, is a lot of fun to watch because it's a different style of basketball. You know uh, it's, I'm obviously used to the four A's, but watching these one AD ones, man, they, they're tough. They are physical and they are a lot of fun to watch. So um, you're going to hear a lot more from this, this conference in the state tournament. For sure, and Daquan Montreal kind of took over the team midseason. He 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 had been an assistant coach, and he's obviously the athletic director at yep. Lighthouse Christian as well. And Mike Brown, the head coach, had to step away for personal reasons. So Daquan kind of took over the team as the head coach. And I asked him because I talked to him before the tournament. I said, "So, you know, are you having fun? Do you do you think you'll be the head coach again next year?" And he kind of took a long sigh and said. I'm not sure yet. He said, I've had a lot of fun coaching, but also I've got a young family, so I'm going to have to weigh that out. But I think if yeah. he does stay, or even if he stays, if he goes back to being the assistant coach, mm -hmm. I think that foundation is in place. And he said, look, it's been four years or three years since we even went to state. Now, the last time they were at state, they won the championship, and Clay Silva was a freshman on that team, and he was now the only senior on this Lighthouse team. So you have to start somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And getting to state this year, 
is the first step in that foundation. And now next year, the goal will be to get back and get a win. And so I'm excited to see their progress next yeah, year. Yeah, it's just unfortunate for them. They had to open up with Lapway, you know. Right. Um, and then that's that's your inauguration into the state tournament. Here you go. Play one of the best teams ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and try not to get run out of the gym. Um, but, uh, you, you, yeah, you're hoping that they get a win to just to kind of elevate that program, especially considering kind of what they went through this year. You know, I mean, it's not easy to lose a head coach. Um, for whatever reason, because um, it just kind of upsets the balance a little bit, you know, but DQ came in and, and did a great job. And so, you know, congrats to him and the Lighthouse Christian Lions for uh, making a state appearance. And and I think they'll be back. Yep, for sure. Uh, making the all tournament team, uh, Peyton Beck made the second team from Oakley. And on the honorable mention was Jack DeYoung from Lighthouse Christian there and the final tournament to talk about is the 2a boys where you know kind of a similar situation valley ended up winning their conference their reward was the number eight overall seed where they have to they have to play north it it is so hard for that eight seed to win and and of course everyone's going to point to well centennial got all the way to the championship in the five but that that's the exception not the rule it is very hard to go into state as the eight seed and and get a win right away and we saw that at the 2a level with valley as they lost the opening round in North Fremont in a, in a fairly close game. You know, they only lost by nine, 53 to 44, and then they lost to Ambrose. And so they went two and out. Yeah, they, they did. And, you know, and it, it's when you get to a state tournament, your eyes get opened a lot, you know, because you're now seeing what your program needs to be like. You know, I, there's a lot of teams that kind of cruise through their seasons. Uh, and I'll take Jerome for an ex- for example. Uh, great season for them, but what they, when they get to state, they don't get to see during the regular season the six ten Middleton kids. You know, um, they don't get to see that in their conference, and they realize too that you know these superstars. And I'm, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but the superstars that you get on these teams, the the number one players you get on these teams, they they've all got something in common with their game, and that is they can create. You know, and so when you get to these tournaments, you're seeing the level of individual play absolutely elevate. And if you're just a guy that will camp on the three-point line and just shoot the ball and that's all you do, you're easy to stop because it doesn't take much. But these players that we saw at these tournaments at all levels, the best ones, you they just create for themselves. And that's the level you got to be at if you want to be an elite player. And so a lot of these teams are going to get to that state tournament and realize, holy crap, my game isn't where it should be because I can't compete at this level. Yeah, it's, it's an eye-opener sometimes when you get to state for sure. And uh, Kyle Christensen of Valley made the honorable mention all-tournament team for the 2A level there. So that's our kind of our boys basketball recap real quick. I did want to touch on state wrestling, Scott. That was two weeks ago, and we didn't have a chance to talk about it because we had our boys basketball preview show last week. But uh, the two big stories out of wrestling in the Magic Valley, Derek Matthews of Declo becomes the newest member of the four-time state champion club in Idaho. That's a rare honor. He yep. is in he is in elite company and what a career for for Derek Matthews of Declo. I mean, he's just a stud in everything he does. Oh, he 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 is and his his lineage and pedigree trace right back to Jerome. Uh because his grandpa was a 
Tim Matthews, who really got wrestling started here and on the map in Jerome. And he was, you know, one of my football coaches as well, uh, coming up in Jerome. And his sons are good wrestlers. Well, they're not good. They're great wrestlers. And so this this DNA <laughs> that they've got is just insane. And just they're a wrestling family. And this Matthews kid, just a, a super kid to begin with, super nice. But he's, he's an imposing force. So you look at him. He's just, I mean, not an ounce of fat on him. He, he walks out on the mat and you're like, oh, my goodness, I got to wrestle this kid. And then he just dominates you. Um, he's that good. And so congratulate. I was excited to see that uh, for him because I was wondering if he was going to get there. And after watching him wrestle a couple of times this year, I, there was no doubt he was going to get it. No doubt. Definitely. We had another four-time state champ uh, from the Magic Valley on the girls' side. We talked about Lita Cruz at 106 oh, yeah. from right. Minico uh, earlier on this year. And, uh, yeah, the first three titles she won were at unofficially sanctioned events, but she still won state championships. And now she won in her last year of competition as an officially sanctioned event. But I think she needs to be recognized as well. And I don't know how the ITSA is going to go about doing that, but I think those four-time champions on the girls' side also need to be recognized. And Lita Cruz is the first in the yeah. state. Oh, absolutely. And something has to be done because, I mean, if we're going to make this push – uh, to recognize girls wrestling and put them in their own tournament and, and, and get them elevated as well, then, yeah, we've got to go back and recognize people like Lee Cruz because she's the one that's going to draw more female wrestlers into the sport, you know. And, you know, we had a meeting here uh, just a couple of days ago. What are we going to do to elevate girls wrestling here? So we've got some things in, in place, and it's going to start by recognizing those that, that laid the groundwork. And she's obviously one of them. And so I, I hope the IHSA does something uh, to, to recognize that because that's what they're going to build from. They need these pioneers to to kind of be recognized. And she is one. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of Minico, uh, the Minico boys did win the team title on the boys side for 4A. So second year in a row. Somebody from the Magic Valley yeah. bringing home that team trophy. Last year it was Jerome. This year, yeah. Minico. So congrats. Oh, Minico was so solid this year. I mean, once, you know, I got to see him a couple of times wrestle, and, and they're just loaded from top to bottom. Uh, it's it's the it's not that they're going to pump out, like, 15 state champions. They are just good from top to bottom. And barring injury, first time I saw him, I was like, this is going to be your state champion right here. Nampa may challenge. Jerome may have something to say, but Minico, it's theirs to lose. And congratulations to them. They were so good this year. Yeah, they were, they were a lot of fun to watch for sure. All right, and then before we get out of here, girls basketball, we, we saw the news come out yesterday to the surprise of absolutely nobody. Amari Whiting of Burley named the Gatorade Player of the Year wow. for girls basketball, which is just an incredible honor. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know what more we could say about Amari Whiting without talking to Amari herself. And we're going to try and do that in the off season. I think bring on Amari, <clears throat> bring on Amari and, and coach Whiting, Amber Whiting, her mother. I think that would be a really fun off season podcast to do Scott. Oh, absolutely. I, I look forward to that. They are um, kind of two peas in a pod. You know, they're, they're very, very much alike when you talk sports with them. Uh, they will take any challenge. They'll take any trash talking. They will, 
and say, yeah, bring it. I'll prove it on the court. I mean, they just got a swagger about him, and you love it. And there's no surprise that uh, Amari's the, the player of the year, well-deserved. There were just no other person uh, that deserved it better than she did. Yep. So that was phenomenal to watch this past year. So that's kind of our wrap up on, on winter sports. We can close that chapter of the book and get ready for spring sports. And again, programming reminder, we're going to take next week off uh, because we deserve a week off every now and then, but also because there's just not much going on yet for spring sports. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, talk, we'll get on and talk about the weather because that's what's dominating right now. As, as it usually does this time of year, no doubt. So right. So, so we'll see you back here in two weeks, but, but thank you for tuning in to the Magic Valley PrepCast. Uh, for Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey, and we'll see you back here in two weeks on IdahoSports.com.